0: You are Locked On Magic, your daily Orlando Magic podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And you are indeed Locked On Magic. Today is April 29th, 2021. My name is Philip Ross. I'm the expert insight editor over at orlandomagicdaily.com. You can follow me on Twitter at R underscore omd. On today's episode of Locked On Magic, the magic win a game. We're all excited about this, right? The world's not on fire. The, the things haven't collapsed upon themselves, as far as I know. It's okay, guys. We'll talk a little bit about the Magic win. We'll break down that game specifically. I'm going to say most of the conversation about that game for tomorrow's episode of Lockdown Magic because we are going to be joined today by none other than Mavs draft himself, Richard Stamen, as we chat about the NBA draft from Lockdown NBA Draft. Today is, of course, the first day of the NFL Draft. If you haven't checked it out already, check out our good pals at Lockdown NFL Draft and throughout the Lockdown Podcast Network for great coverage of the NFL draft tonight. And of course, you can do that for any team, both in the NFL and in the NBA, with podcasts from local experts who know their team best. Want the lowdown on the Cleveland Cavaliers following Wednesday's game? Check out Locked On Cavs. Want to look ahead to Friday's game and Saturday's game against the Memphis Grizzlies? Check out our pals at Locked On Grizzlies. No matter who your team is, whether it's in the NBA, NFL, NHL, MLB, or college too, there is a Locked On podcast for you. Search every download podcast for Locked On and the team you're looking for, the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team every day. The Orlando Magic won a game. Let's just get that out in the the open now. Let's just get that out in the air right now. The Orlando Magic won a game. That's not going to ruin the world. That's not going to drastically change the Magic's chances of winning the lottery, although maybe it will. Who knows? Um, It's not a bad thing. In fact, this is exactly what you want to see happen from the team. You know, the coaching staff has talked a lot about it, about growth and development, about guys getting better. And, you know, you can't get better if you're not competing, if you're not in competitive games. And you don't get better unless you actually get better and prove that you've learned lessons from your losses, from your failures. If the team is just failing over and over and over again and not learning from these things, they're not getting better. And so after Monday's game against the Los Angeles Lakers, the Magic needed to show that they can get better, that they can take that next step, that they can learn something from this competitive loss that they had to a very good Lakers team still um, with Anthony Davis. In that game, the Magic got burned in the fourth quarter by veteran guards. And okay, maybe the Magic didn't completely learn that lesson. Orlando played a fantastic three quarters, building up a 23-point lead, leading by 20 in the fourth quarter, only to see that slowly trickle away. The Cleveland Cavaliers put on a press. The Magic's offense was not very well equipped to handle it. Uh, sped them up, kind of got them out of rhythm, forced six turnovers in the fourth quarter, and that allowed the Cavaliers to get back in the game. With a minute to play, Kevin Love tied the game on a three-pointer. So the long road back for the Cavaliers. It's a young team. They're going to make young mistakes. No game is free from learning from learning lessons in the Magic got a big one in the fourth quarter. But the Magic also got a big sign of progress. We talked a lot about Cole Anthony on yesterday's podcast. He has been someone that's been a real pleasure to watch over the last week. If there's a positive thing that's come out of the Magic from the last week, it is the way Cole Anthony's playing. And honestly, not just the way he's playing, but the way that he has approached the game and the way that he criticizes himself. I mean, I think Steve Clifford even said earlier in the year, Sometimes they gotta get Cole to stop criticizing himself so much and stop being such a perfectionist because of, it's it's hiding the progress that he is indeed making, or it's just keeping him from seeing the progress that he is very clearly making. Cole Anthony said after the games, after the game he played like BS, and he didn't not he used the abbreviation first and then did not use the abbreviation on air on Valley Sports Florida um, through the first three quarters, but with the game on the line. Cole Anthony stepped up time and time and time again. Yes, he had some struggles with the pressure, but essentially it was the Magic trying to get him the ball because he was the only guy that seemed capable of making good decisions and helping break that pressure down um, to get the Magic at least into some semblance of an offense. And while they did speed up a little too much, by the end of the game, when it became a half-court game, the Magic put the ball in their rookie point guard's hands. Trusted him to make decisions. Not only did he make decisions... He won them the freaking game. Even before the game-winning shot, or what would become the game-winning shot, Cole Anthony was making tough plays at the rim, driving straight into a shot blocker like Jared Allen, and finishing over him at the rim, continuing a strong run of play for Cole Anthony, uh, finishing at and around the basket. It has been really impressive to watch Anthony grow in that area. And then on the final play, or not on the final play, but with less than a minute to play, Anthony drove into Allen again, double clutched, and hit a layup over him for a 106-104 lead. To add on to that, then Cole Anthony got the call defending Darius Garland, who was on fire in the fourth quarter, drove him or gu- guided him in toward a trap toward the area of the floor that the Magic wanted him to be on, be at, and then forced him to make a bad pass along the baseline, which Dwayne Bacon stole. The Magic were able to kind of be able to reset their offense, and Cole Anthony iced the game from the foul line. The final score: Orlando 109, Cleveland 104. Even if you don't think winning is a good thing here, and I told you all after Monday's game that I, and I certainly said it yesterday, I expected the Magic to win this game, um, to grow, to grow, and to learn lessons from Monday's loss and apply them to this game and win the game. The Magic were fantastic through three quarters. They made shots, obviously helps, but they moved the ball really effectively, and their defense was fantastic. Yes, Cleveland shot abnormally bet poorly from the three-point line, missed a lot of open threes, especially in the first half and in the first quarter, but part of that, I think, was game plan. I think Orlando wanted Cleveland shooting threes, and Cleveland made six threes, six of their 12 three-pointers in the, in the fourth quarter. That's why they were able to come back, so the Magic definitely still have a lot to clean up but you wanted to see the magic make progress and at the end of the day what really really matters in these games is are the young guys getting better are the young guys contributing to the team having a chance to win obviously Cole Anthony won them the game Chuma Okiki continued to break out of his shooting slump as he scored as he scored on pulling up a box score here 18 points on 7 for 12 shooting 3 for 6 from beyond the arc the only negative being him rolling his ankle with about 6 minutes with about uh, I think what 3 3 minutes to play in the, in the fourth quarter um, you know, having to leave the game with the Magic up by six, and that did have a major effect. He did a really good job defending uh, Kevin Love uh, and being there defensively, as well as being a huge threat offensively. It looks like his shooting confidence is back, and hopefully, um, if he does have to miss time, he will not be out very, very long. The Magic got great contributions elsewhere, of course. Um, Gary Harris had filled up the box score with 19 points, six rebounds, and seven assists. Um, He continues to be a really strong asset for the team and a really great driver, a much better driver than I thought he was. Um, And uh, Dwayne Bacon with 16 points and 6 for 12 shooting off the bench. James Ennis returned with 8 points and 2 for 4 shooting as well as 8 rebounds. His three turnovers in the fourth quarter certainly did hurt, but the Magic were definitely more organized because they could sprinkle in Ennis and Bacon into each lineup rather than having to rely on on no veterans with that second unit or, or select veterans with that second unit. Again, what you want to see from the Magic at this point is that they continue to get better. That they are learning from mistakes, that they are applying those, those lessons, and actually improving and actually being competitive. To me, this as much as Monday was a good loss, Wednesday was not a perfect win. When you have a 23, I, I, I tweeted it out when the Magic were up by like 16 in the fourth quarter. The one thing I don't want to see is I don't want to see this lead get under 10. I, I would have liked to see the Magic learn how to pull that game out and distance themselves again. Um, And again, young teams, that's something they've got to learn how to do. So now they've been in that situation. Now they've seen what happens when you go up 20 on a team on the road. What's going to happen the next time that happens? That's what we want to see. The Magic had to play a close game Monday in the fourth quarter where they needed to execute, make shots, and make stops. And sure, it wasn't perfect. There's still lessons to learn on that front. But the Magic did that in this game. The Magic played with intensity and energy, which they did in Monday's game, which they've been lacking in previous games. And that put the Magic in a great position to win the game. That's what you want to see. It helps too that the Magic get two rookies step up in such a big way as well. Um, that's going to be really valuable experience for them, especially as this team continues to grow and mature. As I've said to people online who are kind of bemoaning the win a little bit, there's not many wins left for this team. Um, they know, I, I, I think even the players kind of know it that it's going to be really tough sledding for these final 10 games. And 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 the goal is not necessarily to even win games. It's to continue to grow and continue to learn. And, and winning is a part of that. Whether you want it to be or not, winning is going to be a part of that. This team is not going to lose every game down the stretch. They were not going to lose 17 straight. Um, I think there's another win on the schedule. And there's probably another there's probably another win that's going to surprise people on the schedule left. That, that last game against Philadelphia, call it a coin flip because who knows who Philadelphia's going to end up playing in that game. Um, so the Magic... The Magic are not done with this feeling of winning um, as, as much as it might or might not help. Um, but the Magic are seeing the kind of growth that they want to see right now. And right now, and then now the goal is just to continue building upon that, to continue seeing guys like Cole and Chuma and even RJ and Mo and Wendell, who, um, you know, again, five minutes, 21 minutes for hit, five points, 21 minutes for him um, as he was limited by foul trouble. Uh, the Magic have to continue to see those guys continue to improve and get better. Um, and they are. And stepping up in big moments like they did Wednesday night is absolutely critical. The Orlando Magic defeat the Cleveland Cavaliers 109-104. to 104. We'll talk a little bit more about that game on tomorrow's episode of Locked On Magic. We'll talk about the NBA draft coming up here with uh, with uh, Richard Stammen, uh, one of the hosts of Locked On NBA Draft in just a moment. Um, I forgot to read some copy, but today's podcast... Is brought to you by Locker Room. Download the Locker Room app from the iOS App Store and find one of our Locked On rooms. Locker Room is changing the way we talk sports. I will not be doing a Locker Room this week. I'll be back again next week, next Thursday at 5 p.m. Vaccine pending. I, I'm getting my second shot on on Thursday. Um, I'll I'll be there to talk Orlando Magic basketball then. So we're, we are looking forward to it. Today's podcast is also, also brought to you by our pals at RockAuto.com. Here in Florida, it is starting to get a little hot. Um, You know, I'm I'm starting to not want to walk to work as much anymore because I arrive at work all sweaty because it's humid and hot. Your car doesn't like the humid and hot either. So get ready to take care of your car the way it deserves to be taken care of. Go to rockauto.com right now to get all all the auto parts that you need from hundreds of manufacturers. They have everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Whether it's for your classic or daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. The rockauto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. You can quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brands, specifications, and prices you prefer. Best of all, prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low and the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. So why spend up to twice as much for the same parts? Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck right locked on in there. How did you hear about us box? So they know we sent you amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need at rockauto.com. And I am now joined by someone you may know on Twitter as @mavsdraft, you can find him on MavsDraft as well as Locked On NBA Draft. It's Richard Stamen. Richard, interact with you a little bit on uh, on interact with you a little bit on Twitter, but uh, uh, good to good to finally uh, talk to you here in person uh, on, on the pod.
1: Hey, it's it's good to be on here. You know, as a, I, I grew up as a Magic fan first before the Mavs, so I feel like this is a little homecoming. Yeah, it's, it's,
0: Hey, it's good. Good to have you. I, I will, I will admit growing up, I was a Dirk Nowitzki fan. Um, so like the Mavs are always like kind of sneakily my second favorite team. I think, um, I think one of the, one of the things that, uh, one of the things that I did, one, one of the, one of the first non magic jerseys I owned was actually a Dirk Nowitzki jersey. So, um, I think that that was, uh, I, I, I am very sympathetic to the Mavs and I was very happy to see them, uh, see them uh, win a championship actually uh, a while back a while back, but uh, definitely, definitely a soft spot there. And, and, you know, Dallas has Daryl Armstrong and we love Daryl.
1: Yeah. Yeah. DA has a, uh, and Jameer Nelson. does two Andrew are Mier. pretty yeah, right. big in Mavs history if you think about it.
0: <laughs> for sure. For sure. Um, so I wanted to have you on here. Um, you know, we're recording this on April 23rd, but the plan is to air this on the night of the of the NFL draft to keep with the draft theme. Um, the draft is of course of, High interest to the Orlando Magic right now, as the Magic are probably by the time this records in line for the top odds in the NBA draft lottery. Um, they're in line as well to have a second top ten pick uh, from the Chicago Bulls, and so I thought it would be good good to get uh, my listeners who you know are maybe not as familiar with the draft and, and and the players in this draft, and certainly maybe a little bit later in the draft, um, get them familiar with what to expect from the Magic in this in this draft. Um, so the first place I think we have to start is. Um, is this a draft that's worth tanking for? I know the answer, but but let me hear it from you.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's a hundred percent worth taking, uh, tanking for. The, to put it in reference, you know, last year Anthony Edwards was number one in the draft, and number two was James Wiseman. Number three, Lamella Ball. Obviously, we know Lamella Ball probably, in hindsight, should have gone number one. However, if you still re rank all three of those guys into this draft, knowing what we know now, yes, Lamella Ball would probably go top three. But other than that, none of the other guys would be top five, maybe top six. I mean, Wiseman wouldn't be top six. So most of those guys would not have been in contention for number one with this crop. So it's a really stacked class at the top.
0: Yeah, I mean, it definitely is, and obviously, um, everything seems to start with Cade Cunningham. You know, if you've heard, you know, like got, you know, the ESPN draft guy say that he's you know one of the more complete prospects that that they've that they've seen. What what is your thoughts on on Cade? Is is this really a guy? You know, I'm personally, you know, this is just how I approach things. I'm always a little bit skeptical of the draft. Like I don't, I don't always completely buy the hype of it. Um, you know, unless it's like, there's a clear cut number one guy. And I really, really like Cade. So don't, don't get me wrong on any of that. Um, I tend to be a little bit more circumspect about rookies and that, you know, they won't make the immediate impact people think. But um, what, what's really special about Cade and, and, and what, what's made him, you know, in a class that is so good, seemingly the runaway choice to be the number one guy.
1: Right. Yeah, it's crazy because he's he's an absolute lock to be the number one pick, but he may not be a lock to be just number one out of the class in a redraft in a few years. That's how good this draft is. But with Cade Cunningham, he's just so well-rounded. You know he He's a generational passer, probably the closest prospect we've seen to Luka Doncic and will continue to see to Luka Doncic for quite a while. Uh, so someone like that who is an MVP candidate by year three is a pretty coveted player. However, I think there's a little bit Talent drop off. The IQ isn't there because Luka Doncic's IQ is just phenomenal. It's top three in the league probably, and uh, but with Cade Cunningham, you're getting a complete score, Can score on all three levels. Pretty capable defensively. Again, great passer. Has just a great, well talent. You know, well rounded talent in game. His floor is pretty much being a starter. I think you really won't get worse than starter level level production from him and at the top you get a perennial all-star. So that's a pretty good outcome I think.
0: Yeah, yeah, I know for sure and, and and if you watched him play at all, I mean, you know, honestly like I feel like sometimes with some of these freshmen and and I I'd be curious what your take on this is too. With freshmen you you so, sometimes see them defer a little bit too much to older players even when they're clearly the best guy on the team. I think there's certainly a few Oklahoma State games that I was watching where I was just like why why isn't Cade touching the ball here? Why isn't Cade like, you know, winning out there winning this game for them and and, and sometimes it feels like he Get he gets lost in the shuffle, and obviously that's that's a lot of team context. And obviously, um, you know the college teams they're trying to win games themselves. They're trying to do their own thing too, uh, and so it's not always um, you know there's there's a little bit of team context there. But but obviously there were big moments where K just stepped up and and took over games.
1: Yeah, he had a forty point game against Oklahoma, where at, I think at the ten minute mark he had twenty points. What like in the second half he had twenty points. And he kept trying to get his teammates involved. And that was the best example of a killer instinct because in the final 10 minutes, he just, he took everything to the rim. He knew nobody could stop him. He was shooting over defenders. And that was probably his textbook number one pick game. He had ended with 40 points and that was half of it came in the final 10 minutes.
0: Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, You know, this is obviously, I mean, obviously if if Cade's the number one guy, it feels like there's a good mix of players at number two. I mean, it feels like if you're, you know, not that teams at the top should ever draft on need, but if you're trying to draft on need, it feels like there's something for everyone. You know, you want the the bruising big man that can defend the rim. That's Evan Mobley. If you want your kind of pure scorer, that's Jalen Green. If you're looking for you know kind of a combo guard, you got Jalen Suggs. If you're you're um, looking for you know kind of a swing forward and, and defensive guy that's you know got an NBA ready body, that's that's Jonathan Kaminga. Um, you know, it feels like this that, that the rest of the top of this draft has a little bit for anyone. I know those are the consensus top five guys. I know that, that you're a little bit lower. I think on Green than than other than others might be. But what you know for for a team, especially like the Magic, that, that just seems to need scoring and shooting. Um, what what do, you know? Let's say they don't win the lottery. What direction should what direction should they be looking at, and, and who should they be thinking about?
1: Yeah. So if they don't win the lottery, obviously Kate is out of the picture. Uh, the conversation starts with Mobley. Like you said, you know, I think he's more of an oversized forward than a, than a true big man. He's kind of forced to play big man because of his size. But he's the quickest leaper I've ever seen. Uh, just phenomenal athlete, can score, just can do so much. He can pass as well. I think it's an underrated area. Uh, you kind of said with Jalen Suggs, he would probably be the first person I look at just because, especially if you think about how well he would fit with Steve Clifford. Just the two-way, you know, IQ do, plays within himself, does a little bit of everything. I think is an absolutely perfect fit in Orlando. Um, and Kaminga would be a swing for the fences. That's again, kind of like you said, uh, just that that kind of guy who it's a pure upside play. You know, almost a point forward at six seven, really good athlete, the body, defense. Um, and then, as you said with Jalen Green, you know, I'm a little bit lower on him because I don't believe in his ball handling just yet, and I think that negates his. And he has the best athleticism in the class, but the lack of ball handling can kind of negate that a couple other guys who I would throw in that conversation pretty confidently. Um, James book Knight from UConn. I have him number five. Uh, he's the guy who I, I moved Jalen green out for of the top five. He's a phenomenal score, just absolute offensive player. I think he could be the very best offensive player in the draft, all things considered. Uh, and then another guy would be Moses Moody. Two way potential just has has that build of the wing six six wing with seven one wingspan uh, good defender great shooter can create a little bit for himself so those would be some guys outside of the consensus that I would look for as well
0: yeah and and, and Moody's a guy that I had had my eye on I think I did my first locker room over his first uh, NCAA tournament game which he promptly you know did not do very much <laughs> much in but um you know I mean I think that's that's going to be uh, one of the more interesting things about this this draft process is how. You know, most, uh, most NBA guys, most NBA scouts have not seen any of these guys in person. You know, I think the only people, they, you know, I think, I, think the, I think Matt Lloyd told the, the Josh Robbins of The Athletic that, that they were able to go to all the games in the G League bubble, which, you know, obviously Jalen Green and Jonathan Kaminga were involved in uh, as part of the G League Ignite experiment. Um, and I think they were able to go to some NCAA tournament games. Don't quote me on that. So, you know, a lot of these guys haven't been seen in person. Uh, and, and I think that'll make for some interesting evaluation. Um, you know, I'd like to get, you know, I think I got your thoughts on a previous locker room about the G League Ignite experiment. But, you know, a guy, a guy like Moody especially um, didn't have a great NCAA tournament. Arkansas made a deep run in, in the tournament, but he didn't have a great individual tournament. Um, you know, Jalen Suggs obviously had the, the biggest, one of the bigger moments in NCAA tournament history. Um, and, 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 you know, obviously he's going to be able to, to kind of cash that chip in and, and write that story. What, what factor will the tournament have uh, what you know Generally, what factor does the tournament have in, in how you evaluate guys? Obviously, those are pressure games, but they're just individual games. Um, what factor will all these have, in, especially in an NBA ecosystem that hasn't been able to see these guys a lot in person?
1: Yeah, so I mean, for me personally, I don't hold a lot of weight into those games. I think it's it doesn't really swing me much. Because for me, I mean, I've seen most of these guys at least five regular season games where... I know what they're about. And sometimes guys just, I mean, freshmen going up against that pressure, it's not for everyone, you know? And I don't think that necessarily means someone's going to be bad. I mean, Otto Porter jr. For example, had one of the biggest, um, I mean, just straight up choked against Florida Gulf coast uh, with Georgetown. He turned out just fine. It really, it's kind of a heat of the moment thing. I think where people trick themselves into saying, Oh, well, if he can't play in this moment, how's he ever going to play in the NBA? And that's not just not it. I mean, these guys are really good at basketball and, you know, it was just a tough game and they have eight days or seven days almost for um, some of these teams to be game planning against them. And, you know, they're the top priorities. Like Moses Moody, you think Colgate didn't say, all right, it starts with Moses Moody. Their scouting report definitely started with him. So when you're zeroed in on like that, it's not going to happen in the NBA where every single game, not at least early on um, something like that's going to happen. And, you know, coaching just, you don't get five days between games at all like that. So, I don't think it matters a ton one way or another. I think it's really good for an introduction to fans, but I don't think it really impacts how you evaluate someone and rank them. You know, I, it really didn't move anything on my board for
0: sure. For sure. And I, I mean, I do think that's important to note. I mean, a lot of us NBA people who, you know, aren't always focused wholly on the draft process. I mean, I, I certainly, I was a little late into the draft process this year because I was still holding out hope the magic would make the playoffs and didn't think they'd be in a position to draft one of these top guys. Um, uh, I, I, you know, I think a lot of us use the NCAA tournament as our opportunity to scout some of these players. You know, you know, again, you know, I, I, I joked at one point after Cade had a bad, bad game in the NCAA tournament. Like, please don't make this a moment where people question whether Cade should be the number one pick. I, I thankfully haven't seen too much of that, but uh, you, you never, you never know. Let's take a quick break from our conversation with Richard there about the NBA draft. So, I can tell you a little bit more about our pals at Bet Online. The fastest and easiest way to bet on online sports action, on all your sports action. Basketball season is in full swing, baseball season also in full swing. You can track all the action at Bet Online. This week has a ton of sports going on. The NFL draft starts tonight, it goes through the weekend. The Kentucky Derby is back as the first leg of the Triple Crown on Saturday. There's a lot going on. You can get all the latest news, odds, and info for all your sporting needs, including MLB, NBA, NHL, and all your UFC, MMA action. For the next pitch or tip-off or kickoff, or whatever, head over to BetOnline on your laptop or mobile device and check out all the great sporting news, sign-up bonuses, and contest information. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore as this is your chance to get into the game. As teams prep for their runs to the playoffs, head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit using the promo code LOCKED ON. Bet online, your online sports book experts. Don't forget to check out the Locked On Today podcast as well. Today is Cam Newton still the planet quarterback for the New England Patriots. Get more of the sports news you need in less time with the Locked On Today podcast. Follow the Locked On Today podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get podcasts. You know, one guy who, you know, uh, you know, one guy who did play well, you know, kind of in pressure games that, that, you know, to me, I, I still feel like pressure games do say something. Um, and, and, and you know, one reason why I probably have Jalen Green second on my board, not only because I think there's a good positional fit with the Magic and, and, and the young players that they have, um, but I felt like he played really well in the run-up to the G League playoffs, and especially playing against pros in the G League, um, you know, and, and I, think, I think early on there's definitely some targeting of him and defenses trying to kind of make some of these young guys look bad. The fact that, that to me, the fact that he was able to kind of pass that test, I feel like says something about him. I know I asked you this on the on a locker room a couple of weeks ago, but what was your take on the kind of G League Ignite experiment and what that means for how, how scouts evaluate what Jalen Green and Jonathan Kaminga can do?
1: Yeah, I think teams are always going to favor the heavier competition. Um, and I, I love the experiment that they did. I hope they continue it and that it works for the future going forward. I, I do have questions just about how much of it was meaningful in some <laughs> regards. Um, just for example, like the G League is just – Defense optional, you know. Sure, for sure, absolutely. And and that's a big concern of mine because like that could kind of inflate the value of some of those guys offensively. And and on the other end, Jalen Green is not a good defender, right? But in Mm the G League, it makes it even look even worse because there's no team defense. There's no concept of team defense, so it just looks like his mistakes are that much worse. So it goes both ways. Um, But I, I do think that teams will generally hold that range like that group a little bit higher like Dasha Nix even and Isaiah Todd I think they get it too because you're playing against guys who were I mean like think about it Jalen Green was matched up a couple times against like Miles Powell and guys like that that's a player of the year candidate that's really good competition every single game yeah for sure for
0: sure and, and I mean I think that was something that got overlooked in the Luka Doncic draft to be honest Um, where no one you know, I, I never heard people kind of say well Luka Doncic was just the MVP of EuroLeague, of the second best basketball league in the world. Like that, that does that not count for something? Does that not matter for something that he's, you know, again, different different category of athlete than the NBA, maybe, but you know, like an 18 year old doing that in in a in a pro setting like that, I think was was really impressive. With guys who, you know, again, playing with and against guys who have been in the NBA before, um, although maybe not every single night. I mean, there's definitely, uh, you know, there's a little, there's probably a little bit of, you know. I see is It's not the right word, but a little bit of, you know, you you see more stuff in the States. You trust the college system a little bit more than maybe the international system, even if the bus rate is probably virtually the same. Um, you know, one thing that, that I think is interesting about the magic in their draft position, obviously we don't know yet where they're picking. And as I like to say, you know, whether the magic win or lose a lottery right now is a coin flip, as far as getting into the top four. But um, what, what I think is interesting about the magic and, you know, I don't know how, how, Obviously, when you're picking this high in the draft and you're this low in the standings, you take the most talented player, you take the best player on your board, on your board, and you don't worry so much about it. But um, I am curious what your thoughts are on how a team that's full of so many young players like the Magic, how they should approach the draft. Now, obviously, if you're drafting one, you take Cade. Like, that's 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 a no-brainer. But even then, you know, you've got a young point guard in Marco Fultz, you've got a rookie point guard in Cole Anthony, you got another rookie point, you know, another rookie guard in RJ Hampton, um, you know, you're kind of loaded up on these on all these young players at various positions. I mean, Jonathan Isaac and Chumo Kiki at forward, uh, you know, Wendell Carter now at center, Mobamba and now at center too. If you're a young team like the Magic, uh, you know, with this top pick, how do you take any consideration to how that player fits into the group you have? Or is it just, you know, this is the centerpiece of your, your franchise? And obviously, like along with maybe Jonathan Isaac and maybe Marco Fultz. Is it, is it all, are you only concerned with how he might fit with those two players?
1: Right. And that's a tough question because a lot of number pick, a lot of teams that are picking number one don't get the benefit of having an already stable core to an extent. I mean, Jonathan Isaac is a cornerstone for teams. Whether, you know, other fans want, other teams, fans want to admit it or not, having a defensive anchor like that is someone you have to kind of, to an extent, build around uh, and kind of adjust. But my take is, as you know, like you said, a lot of the guards and, you know, you have three guards down there that you already have that. Do you need another guard? It depends. I think in this case, you kind of go two routes. One talent is always the best fit. If that makes sense, For uh, sure. good players work. And then also, I think you go with play type player types more than player positions. Like you get a score, even if he's like six, four, six, three, um, I think you go for roles almost more at this point because the magic, I feel like they're not in a rebuild. They're in a retool. So I think in that situation you go for player types more than anything. And at the top, I don't know. I think if you're in the top five, you always take best player available and make it work one way or another.
0: Yeah, and it's not like I mean, it's it's the NBA. It's not like any of these, guys, these guys can't be traded. I mean, obviously,
1: exactly. You know,
0: Carter's going to be on the last year of his contract before restricted free agency. So if you take Mobley and Mobley and Carter don't work out for whatever reason, you know, it's it's not the end of the world. I mean, you know, if you're taking Mobley, you're probably pushing Bomba out the out the door a little bit. Um, you know, if you're taking, you know, the 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 one the only guy that I'm a little bit of leery about taking, and I'm not I'm not a never take this guy kind of kind of guy with him because I think he is still really talented, but I do think trying to develop Kuminga, Isaac, and Okiki all at the same time, like that that runs into the same problem the Magic had forever with Isaac and Gordon, where both are probably better as power forwards. And some would argue that Okiki's probably better as a power forward too, alongside Isaac. And so um, I do think that gets a little bit heavy. Whereas, you know, we're seeing this throughout the NBA these days where you're playing multiple point guards at the same time. I mean, Charlotte Charlotte has been playing, Charlotte, you know, was going with some lineups with Terry Rozier. Devonte Graham and LaMelo Ball all out there at the same time. You know, Oklahoma City last year did Schroeder, SGA, and Chris Paul lineups. You, you can always, you can never almost have too many ball handlers. I mean, I think the real issue is, can they hit enough outside shots to give each other space to keep attacking? And that's probably the bigger issue for the Magic. Um, so I, I think Kuminga, I, I, the only guy that I've kind of docked a few, maybe a few points for a positional fit with the Magic is Kuminga.
1: Yeah, and he's far, away, far and away the biggest risk. the top guys just because of the shooting ability and like you said it's just and i completely agree the the inability to shoot currently is a big project for the magic and i think that probably does change the way you look at the team construction like do you really like you said do you really want that many forwards on one team trying to develop if they're all on the same timeline yeah for sure it's better in 2k (laughs) than in real life
0: for sure and and as jeff as jeff weltman said after after the draft a few years ago long play long night long players um uh, but, uh, um, you know, the, obviously the biggest skill the Magic are missing right now is shooting, and, and and so, you know, I think a lot of us know who these top guys are, um, and, and, and 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 we're fairly familiar with their games and, and, and their strengths and weaknesses. Um, the Magic are in line right now to have the, the Bulls pick, which will probably end up somewhere in the 8 to 10 range, assuming they, they do miss the playoffs and, and, and either lose in the playing tournament or miss the playing tournament entirely. Um what shooters, you know, before we get into, like, who's actually going to be available around that pick or who the Magic should be targeting around that pick, and I'm sure we'll talk, touch on some of these guys here, who are the best shooters in this draft? Um, you know, you mentioned, obviously, James Booknight, um, which, you know, obviously, I, I think he, I, I haven't watched a ton of his tape, but, you know, he, I've looked at his, his numbers, you know, great score, um, definitely feels like he can, he can hit from the outside, but who, who are the best shooters in this draft?
1: Yeah. So the conversation starts with Gonzaga's Corey Kispert. Uh, He shot, I I believe he was like 40% almost every single year that he's been at Gonzaga. Uh, It starts with him just unbelievably quick release, can pretty much shoot from anywhere, uh, and also just pretty well-rounded offensively. Another guy, I mean, I really like that. I don't know if he's in this best shooter. Category and on um, or even really in this range yet, but he's number ten on my board is Trey Mann. I believe he was a forty-one percent shooter from three, and uh, he went to Florida, so local guy, six-five, can uh, elite space creator, gets his own shot at an unreal clip. And then some other guys. I really believe in Keon Johnson's shooting. I know that's not a really popular take, and same with Jaden Springer. Um, and then if you really want to reach a little bit lower, this is probably too high for ten. However, he will be a top ten rookie. So if you're okay with the short term payoff over the long term with this, you could go Jared Butler. I think you get a really, really high quality player. Who you get an NBA veteran as a rookie. So those are some of the guys I would look at.
0: Yeah, I mean, and I think those are uh, a lot of those guys are definitely guys that the Magic will have their eyes on. I think with that second pick, um, you know, you know, Keon Johnson is definitely someone that I've looked at looked at a little bit as, you know, someone. You know, back when I even back when I even thought the Magic were going to be picking like sixth or seventh, um, that that was or 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 around where the Bulls are actually right now um, is, was definitely someone I looked at. It it feels like, you know, again, Kispert is, is a little bit more of a specialist as a shooter, but it feels like there's a lot of players in that range, like kind of late, late single digits in the draft, um, who are, you know, major scores on their college teams that probably aren't going to be major scores at the next level. I mean, I I think, I, I mean, I think Moses Moody, I'm really intrigued with him. I really, I really liked him, but you know, I definitely think there are, you know, I definitely think i F I'm definitely curious about him and even a guy like Keon Johnson about whether those are guys that can take a secondary role as, as often has to happen in the NBA when guys go from being the best guy on their team to, you know, not being the best guy on their team anymore. Um, who, who are some, who are some of these players that, you know, we're start you know, were, we're, big time scorers in college, you know, or how, how do some of these big time scorers in college kind of take that step back and, and, and fill a role for their teams, even when they're going in the top 10?
1: Yeah, so I mean a lot of these guys, and this is most prospects if you're not a top three or top five guy, but most of these guys do way more in college than they ever will in the NBA. You just kind of have to figure out what carries over. Um, I think most of this year's top ten, though, they're going to be doing a lot of what they did in college for the most part. There's going to be you know some exceptions where some guys may shoot a little bit too much in college where they just maybe ask not to or vice versa. Um, But I think for the most part, a lot of these guys will end up taking pretty similar roles in the top ten. It's pretty much after that where you're looking at role players to an extent and figuring out all right, which of their roles is you know their absolute best and um, things like that.
0: Yeah, um, with 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 how this draft class is shaking out, um, what kind of players are the Magic going to be looking at? I mean, maybe some of this depends on who they take with their first pick in the draft, but what kind of players you know are the Magic kind of lining up to be looking at? Uh, and who are they going to be lining up to be looking at uh, at that Bulls pick kind of in the in the 8, 9, 10 range?
1: Yeah, I, I think that range is pretty volatile, volatile right now. As it um, always is. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's because right now, if you look at it, like the 10th player on a lot of these boards is probably Jaden Springer, Keon Johnson. And those guys, I'm starting to see more swing with them. I think some guys could very well rise. I think you're looking at Kai Jones as a riser. There's a guy over in Europe, Roko Prakachin, who I, I don't even know how to describe him. He's just genuinely really good at basketball and really young. Someone like him, he's a 6'8 forward. Um, Josh Christopher, someone who I could see rising. One of the He was a high school phenom and outstanding one-on-one scorer, pretty good defensive upside too, good athlete. Some of those guys could really rise, but I think you're looking at Moses Moody as like a prime candidate. I know we've already talked about him, but... I think that would be my top pick him or maybe even Scotty Barnes from Florida state who is probably the closest player we've seen to Draymond green as a prospect since Draymond entered the league, you know, outstanding defender, but less of a rim protector, more of a perimeter defender, R- great passer can't shoot though. So it's, and has the size and length pretty much. And he played point guard at Florida state at six, eight. So there's a lot of options. Just the range of guys they can consider is just huge. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And I mean, that's, I mean, maybe that's an unfair question because that's, that's always the case it feels like in these drafts. And then, you know, you know, Scotty Barnes, I think is definitely someone that, you know, fans here in Florida are, would be interested in uh, with, with him playing at Florida state, um, you know, magic, obviously have drafted Jonathan Isaac. They've picked up Dwayne Bacon off of uh, off of the waiver wire wa- uh, in free agency. Um, there's a, you know, pretty solid track record of Leonard Hamilton's Florida state guys of late Um, contributing to NBA rosters and and you know I'm curious you know maybe maybe that's a that's a good question to ask here too like how much does you know a a coach like Leonard Hamilton and he has a reputation now of bringing of getting players in the NBA how much does you know a college system that is tailored toward the NBA or has had a lot of NBA players successful NBA players go through it how much does how much does that portend in your mind to whether someone can translate to the NBA
1: it's minimal, but it's enough where if I'm deciding between two guys, I might give someone the benefit of the doubt. Uh, Florida state has been a prime example of hiding guys in that 20 to 25 minute role. I mean, we saw Kevin jelly, we saw Patrick Williams, Devin Vassell all those. And even sometimes Jonathan Isaac, although he had higher minutes, I think, I think he had the highest of those, but there's times where it does matter. And I think times where eh, it doesn't always matter, you know, cause they have to play with the team they had, you know, for, For example, I mean, I was big on Donovan Mitchell in 2017, and a lot of people said, well, you know, Louisville has no track record of producing guards. Why would you be confident in him? And sometimes there's just exceptions to the rules. You know, some guys just happen to go to a school, but that doesn't mean their skill set is no longer good because of the system or school they played for. So it kind of goes both ways. Uh, The only time I really consider it is if a guy has, like Peyton Pritchard last year, for example, I was very down on, obviously I missed on him but I was very down on him because he had an entire system built around him and his pace of game. And that scares me. I think that's the kind of stuff I would look at more than the setup of the, and the setup in the history of the program. If sure. That makes any sense. Sure.
0: Sure. I mean, yeah, no, I mean, especially, especially uh, someone like that. I mean, maybe like that's the, maybe Steph Curry is the exception that proves that rule. But, um, and again, I mean, it took Steph a little while to figure, figure the NBA out as, as good as, as good as he became, but yeah, I know for sure when, I mean, you definitely see some quirky college systems. I mean, I know, I, when the Magic drafted Tyler Harvey, people were really excited about him because he led the nation in scoring. And, you know, I was looking at his – I was digging into his numbers and I was like, you know, he yeah, he scored like 18 against Indiana in the one game Eastern Washington played against anyone of consequence, but he shot like 35% in that game. That That's probably not a good thing. And, you know, obviously Harvey never really made it over to the NBA, so kind of those raw scoring numbers you always got to be a little bit careful about. Um, one guy I want to ask you, ask you about then, um, you know, kind of coming from – a powerhouse program and a program associated with NBA guys is, is um, Jalen Johnson, Jalen Johnson from Duke. Um, You know, I've seen some mock drafts have him going to the magic. Um, Obviously he had just kind of a weird season. Um, I know he dealt with, with the injury. um, And then obviously decided to depart the team and and focus, uh, focus on getting himself healthy and getting himself ready for the NBA. Obviously Um, what, what were your thoughts on, on, on how he looked in, in, in college and, and what his NBA prospects are?
1: Yeah, he's easily the hardest player to evaluate, I think, in the entire draft. Just because, you know, you look at some of his games, he almost had a five by five against Pittsburgh, which is, I mean, that is an unbelievably rare feat, not alone, let alone in the NBA, but in college basketball, that is unbelievably rare. But against Pittsburgh, who was a decent team, um, especially at the time they've been playing well, he had 24 points, 16 rebounds, seven assists, two steals, four blocks, Things like that; those flashes are crazy. Against Coppin State, he almost had a twenty twenty game. Granted, it was Coppin State, but then he also oh, that's like forty minute game.
0: That's hard to do.
1: Yeah, exactly. And it, and he played thirty five minutes. Like that's a pretty phenomenal stat. And then even then, he had five assists and four blocks too. So the problem with him though is that he doesn't really like to shoot, and he isn't a good shooter. And he also gets a little bit of tunnel vision and doesn't find or look for teammates, which are both huge red flags as a combo forward. So on one hand, his flashes are incredible, but also his flashes of negative uh, play is, is also horrifying. So I don't know what to make of him.
0: Yeah. I mean, and, and obviously, I mean, obviously I think some of the hubbub about, about when he decided to depart Duke was overplayed and a little bit of, you know, paternalism, trying to protect the college, the college game and the yep. institution of Duke and the NCAA rather than recognizing that, you know, the kid, Kid made it made a business decision for himself, and the school, and certainly Duke seemed like they they supported him. So that's I don't think that'll I mean that probably I mean he'll probably be asked that in interviews, um and and his agent should be preparing him for that, but um I I, I doubt that that matters much, and that's probably how most you know kind of casual NBA fans know of him rather than of his play. Um, you know you 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 mentioned James Book Booknight. Um, I know that's a guy that the Magic that Magic fans have had on their radar. Um, I know you are. Uh, much higher on him than than a lot of pe- than a lot of others in in, in in at least on the draft boards that I've
1: seen. What makes him so special? Yeah. So outside of Trey, man, uh, even it might even be had like they might just be one A one B, but he has probably the best shot creator that the worst second best shot creator in the draft class. Great scoring, incredible athlete. Um, needs to add weight and speed up his jump shot, but both of those things should be, come with the NBA environment. Just absolutely great and quick offense. I don't think he has to worry about a translation period in the NBA of, you know, adjusting to pace. I remember uh, one of the people who I remember hearing that from was how long it took to overcome. That was Victor Oladipo where he talked about just the pace of play was so different from college. I don't think you worry about that with Book Knight. And that's a big part of why some guards struggle early. Um, he has good vision on the drive, even though his playmaking numbers aren't crazy high. And obviously his three-point shooting numbers were subpar. I think they were 29.6 or something like that percent. This year, and uh, that doesn't sound like a great three-point shooter, but he's still in the 70s. Free throw percentage and the touch and the form are very good. They check out. So, really, just a complete offensive player is how I see a combo guard can get you a bucket at ease. Yeah,
0: I mean, and obviously that that, that probably got Magic fans their 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 mouths watering a little bit because you know the Magic don't have someone like that. Um, you know, they they're they're you know, like you said, like the Magic should be focusing probably more on skills and position they need guys who can just create their own shot and and get a basket. I mean, that, that was even something that, that, you know, Mo Bamba talked about after the loss to the Pelicans, where, you know, he said, we don't have, we, we all need to play together. We need to be talking all the time. We don't have a guy that we can just isolate and get a bucket. And, and, you know, if the mat, I mean, honestly, that's what superstars do. Um, you know, I, I, I say this all the time, Then you know, the difference between the regular season and the playoffs is in the playoffs, uh, you know, you, the defense knows what's coming and whether you, whether you win or lose is going to be down to whether you can beat a set defense. And, you know, that's why I think the teams with the best player in the league usually win in the playoffs, because at the end of the day, it's going to come down to some one-on-one battle that, that you have to win. And, and, you know, if you, there are more players like that, you can collect, um, you know, again, as long as they fit together a little bit and, and keep the ball moving. I I think the better off you'll be, and that's obviously something the Magic are missing. Um, You know, before I let you go, let you go here. Another name that you mentioned that might be of interest uh, to people here locally, not just because the Magic are targeting him, um, but because he is originally from the Orlando area, is Kai Jones from Texas. Um, What's what's? I mean, uh, from from everything I saw throughout the throughout the season, he was you know kind of in the teens. What's what's caused him to kind of rise up to the level where he might be in play for the Magic second pick?
1: Yeah, so I think for him, it's just the fact that he has unicorn potential being a 6'10 6'11 freak athlete that can guard I mean that can actually guard point guards and sit down on in a defensive stance and handle a point guard and not just get blown by. It's very rare he can guard almost one through five. I say almost because he's not going to be able to guard, you know, the absolute quickest of the quick, but an average speed point guard, he can probably hang with. So that's a big thing for him. Plus he also is very unique in how many 6'11 big men, are you seeing doing jab step threes? Um, and that's what he's doing. So you have a lot of upside and uniqueness in him. And he's a phenomenal athlete, one of the best athletes I think I've seen in person, I, I saw him, uh, you know, I was talking to someone I was, I was courtside a year ago at a TCU game, and I was watching warm ups. And I was talking to someone, I turned my head for a minute, right before Kai Jones decided to dunk, and it wakes you up. Like he is just a monster athlete. He gets his head above the rim. I mean, it's, the freak athleticism and just the freak combo of his skills are unprecedented.
0: Yeah. Uh, I mean, that, that, uh, the little bit that I've watched him um, cause you know, we, I, I, my, my day job, I work, work for a, a new, a new station here and we were doing, we were pulling some video on him and and keeping track, keeping track of him. Cause he's a, he's originally from the Orlando area, he went to high school here. Um, and you know, definitely just, you, you, you feel his presence. You definitely feel his presence when he's on, when he's on the court. I mean, if, I, I felt like he's still a little bit raw as far as his, kind of raw basketball skills but uh, you know definitely the tools are there I mean it it sounds like this is this is definitely going to be a busy draft process and and, and the magic probably you know gambled and picked the right draft to kind of put their chip chips on um so to speak at, at both at both picks um f- you know obviously we're still at an early stage and and we, the lottery hasn't been played yet but you know looking at where the magic are at you know aside from winning the number one pick and getting Cade, you know, what kind of what kind of skills or what, what would be a, a kind of dream draft for, for you for the Magic, at least sitting here in late April?
1: Yeah, so I think outside of getting Cade, it would probably be getting, I, I mean, I think I would be pretty content with Jalen Suggs and James Book Knight. Or honestly, if you gave me Moody at the Bulls pick and uh, any either of the G League guys at the top, and this is assuming I'm going to take out Mobley too, because I think they're both just head and shoulders above everybody else. If you got any combination of Suggs of the G League guys in book night or Moody, I think you come away very happy in this draft. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like there's a lot of avenues and you, I mean, you know, even, even, I mean, what, I mean, even if the
0: magic have kind of the disaster scenario play out where they're picking fifth or sixth, like it, it sounds like they could still get a really good player at, at, at the back end on that second pick and then like in like a Moody or someone else. And then, you know you take you know why not take take the chance at book night if your draft is book night and moody like you know you're not maybe getting one of those elite elite guys but you're still getting two guys you can put the ball in the basket which is something this team desperately needs
1: right right the offensive upside in this class is pretty wild so it's a good class to be tanking in yep for sure um
0: uh, richard it was it was good good chatting with you and good finally uh, getting at least a voice to to to, to the name um Tell everyone where where they can find you and 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 hear more uh, hear more about this draft class.
1: Yeah, uh, on Twitter at Mavs Draft, and then uh, I'm sure you've heard you know Phil has plugged the Locked On NBA Draft Show, uh, but I'm on every Tuesday. You can also find Raphael on Mondays and Thursdays, and Sam and Cody on Wednesdays. We will have a ton of draft content uh, coming for you for the whole you know four days a week, and it's going to be pretty intense as the draft ramps up.
0: Yeah, for sure. And if, if you're a Magic fan, if you're listening to my voice right now, subscribe to Locked On NBA Draft today. Like, don't waste time. I'm I probably need to start listening to it every day uh, uh, now at this point uh, as as I'm getting ready, as I'm getting more serious and more prepared uh, for the draft. Um, I'm glad to have this introduction. You know, I I, I, I try to stay up on the draft, but I, I am admittedly a little bit late this year because of how long it took the Magic to decide that the to pull the plug on the season and and get going uh, and get going for it. So I'm glad to have the the quick refresher and I'm sure we will talk again before the draft takes place, before the, before the draft takes place, probably even before the lottery.
1: I can't wait. Look forward to it. Yep. Thanks.
0: Thanks a lot, Richard, Richard, and uh, look forward to talking to you again. Thanks again to Richard for joining the podcast to talk a little NBA draft with us, get us uh, a, an early glimpse at the class, especially with the Magic potentially having two top ten picks in this year's class. You can follow him, of course, on Twitter at mavs draft. You can also hear him on the Locked On NBA Draft podcast. If you're not already subscribed to that podcast, you should do so immediately. You can also subscribe to this podcast if you're not already done. If you've not already done so, there uh, on on anywhere you download podcasts your podcast-enabled listening device. Uh, I I. I yeah I Apple Music Stitcher TuneIn Hulu Google Play Spotify Odyssey and all the fun places to download podcasts your podcasts and able to see, if I see I'd get back on track eventually um, you can follow me of course on Twitter at Philip R underscore MD follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Magic and of course for the latest on the Orlando Magic be sure to check out orlandomagicdaily.com. you can follow us there on Twitter at O Magic Daily that's gonna do it for today though I want to thank you all again for listening to today's episode of Locked On Magic for Orlando Magic Daily and Locked On Magic this is Philip Ross. Right? we'll see you again next time for another episode of Locked On.